In this episode, I interview Paul Barkley, award-winning architect and founder of Snug Architects. Paul has some amazing nuggets of wisdom to share on how to build a legacy-driven business. His architectural firm has been established since 2003 with profit year on year and he has a real value-based approach to building a business. Now Paul is also one of the amazing speakers at the upcoming Legacy Conference. Legacy is the only conference, the only event that equips you to launch a project. It's going to be an amazing two days that takes place on the 17th and 18th of September. So if you want more information about that, visit legacyconference.co.uk. But in the meantime, check out this episode. Welcome to the Launch Strategist Podcast with your host, Katrina Douglas, author, trainer, and launch strategist for corporate leaders, helping you launch projects that light you up, make money, and get you closer to the goals that matter. Yeah, always. Yep. There's always too much going on, but it's good stuff. Excellent, excellent. So I'm just gonna uh, bring up my questions. Well, so let's get into the first question. So five facts about you. Some some things that interesting things that people might not know. Okay. Yeah. Um. Right. Well, things people may not know about me. I I grew up in the middle of the rainforest on the banks of the Congo. Wow. The banks of the Congo River. So that's where I grew up. <laughs> um, so yeah, long way from home. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got 23 letters after my name. So oh, that's probably goodness. a bit of bragging there. But anyway, not that, <laughs> not, not that they count for anything. I mean, yeah. goodness, what a waste of time. But um, no, they wow. don't count for very much, if I'm honest. Um, I'm the founder of Snug Architects. So um, that's, I guess, one of the core things about me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my core day job. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also the founder of an organization called Bismin. So I guess I enjoy, I enjoy setting up organizations and, 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 and making things like that happen. <laughs> um, what other things about, about me personally or about sort of career highs, I guess? Is that... Both, any and all. Uh, probably career, career highs, probably two <laughs> career highs. One was when my practice was um, selected as one of nine RBA role model practices. Yeah. So that was that was a great moment, um, kind of real validation of our culture. Actually, um, we win awards, but um, this was different. This was more about the way the business works rather yeah. than about the actual architecture we do. Um, and uh, probably winning the Wall of Arts of Prayer International Design Competition that rates as a big high. That was Amazing. our first first time we ever ended in an international design competition, yeah. and um, and it was great to win that. So. That's, that's, that's incre- incredible. It's like such a rich tapestry of things that you've kind of accomplished. Um, and I think what was super important to me in terms of the speakers is people that could kind of teach from a professional perspective, um, but also had the experience of launching stuff, launching significant things, and what that journey looks like. Because it's one thing to be able to talk about it but it's another thing to actually experience it and kind of the mindset stuff and the emotional stuff as well as the practical stuff that kind of comes mm-hmm. with that um and so yeah the congo though that's incredible 
So what, like, going off on a little bit of a tangent, so when did you come to the UK? What brought you to the UK? Uh, well, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm English by, 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 by birth. My parents yeah. um, were working in Africa, and um, I was there from until I was 13 years old. Wow. So, so yeah, so it's sort of you know, very much something I can remember very well, um, mm. you know, kind of important part of what makes me me. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the reasons why I love, I love operating abroad as well. So I, I'm very, com I find myself as it comfortable somewhere in a village in Africa or on a, on a, on a bus somewhere in India as yeah. I do, I do here. So yeah, yeah I, I feel pretty comfortable in a range of settings, should we say. Amazing. Okay. So um, on the topic of legacy, why do you think yeah. legacy is so important? Um, uh, well, in terms of in terms of the event, or in terms of legacy itself. Legacy itself. Yeah, great. I, I thought that's probably what you meant. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, I think for me, um, legacy is 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 the ultimate proof of whether we've been fruitful. Wow, that's incredible. In, in the in the yeah. fundamentally, what we what we leave behind matters more than than perhaps what we're achieving in the moment. Um, yeah. And I guess. I mean, for me, one of the reasons I set up my company as Snug Architects rather than Paul Bulkley Architects mm. is because I wanted to stay right from the outset. This is this this thing needs to be bigger than me, mm. um, and therefore, for me, the goal is to create a business that outlives me. Yeah. So, so that, in a sense, means it 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 will have a, it'll have a legacy because it will carry on going. And I think, for me, so much of what a sustainable venture is about is mm. not paying the bills today or keeping me in a job. It's about yeah. creating an organization which in the end has a life of its own and, yeah. and starts to outlive you. Yeah. Um, and that's actually one of the biggest challenges I think in, in growing a business is, is as fast as possible, continuously working yourself out of a job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that in a sense is why businesses grow because mm -hmm. you can't do it all and you need other people and then they need other people yeah and you that 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 kind of naturally creates growth i guess because, yeah because everyone's trying to work themselves out of their current job exactly yeah. exactly go on to greater things yep absolutely so i mean we've touched on your story and and some of the things that have brought you to this point but i think some of the the things that you know people want to hear about is what is actually the story what is actually the journey and what is actually the process so so often uh we see a highlight reel mm -hmm. of snapshot of what happens and that's great but what has the journey looked like for you from launching your very successful architecture firm to the point you find yourself at now winner of a national competition for a yep. historic landmark yep. piece of architecture yeah i mean i think the, i think the key thing for me about any any successful business story is it absolutely didn't start like that mm. so so you know in a sense they always have a a humble beginning um, so snug started with just me um, I was just qualified I'd only qualified a few months before I started the practice um, which in some ways was foolishness but um, that's the foolhardiness of youth and I think sometimes you've got to be pretty foolhardy to set up a business yeah. it's not a rational thing to do yeah. most people leave a perfectly safe job that's paying the bills and covers their pension um, and you suddenly jump off a cliff into an unknown world where you have to really believe it's going to work and, and, it will, and the buck stops with you. And if you're not motivated, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think, therefore, there was a, there was a whole a huge amount of okay, optimism, vision, enthusiasm. Um, and for, so, so for me, the journey started with a, a desire to build my own house. 
-hmm. I couldn't afford to buy a house in, in Winchester where I was living at the time. And I just felt that, I mean, I had had a desire to build a house for quite a long time. Um, and for me, it actually started with a, a moment when um, I, was, uh, I was actually praying about building a house. Mm. And I um, suddenly had this word Shechem pop into my head. Wow. And, uh, turns out that Shechem is a place where Abraham bought a piece of land. And I was like, for me, that really mattered. Yeah. And now I sort of felt I had the, the, I guess at a fundamental level, faith. Mm. Now, faith is important whether you're a believer in, in, in traditional religion or not. Mm. Faith is fundamental to building a business. Yeah. If you don't have some kind of sense of belief that this thing's going to work out, you will mm. quit, no doubt about it, when the first hurdle comes or the second hurdle or the third hurdle. And so I spent nine months looking for a piece of land, but I knew I would find some. Mm. And, um, and then I managed to take a major risk on buying a piece of land and doing a piece of property development. And then I managed to build two houses and sold one. Mm. And if you like, that's the beginning of the economic flywheel. Yeah. Then I had the capital to then reinvest. And then I did another one. Um, then I brought in my current one of, one of my current business partners, mm. um, and that started to grow the team. Mm. Um, so Snug started with us running a property development company as well as running an architecture business. Wow. And I think they were both very humble. We were doing domestic extensions on the architecture. We were building one or two small houses for the property development side of things. Mm. But it gave us fundamental empathy for our future clients. So mm. we were in a position where we really had done it for ourselves. We knew the pain of being a developer. We knew the stresses associated with, with carrying that risk. Um, we understood the pragmatism that's needed to make money out of property development. A lot of architects are building, want to build people's dreams and they're not really interested in building the more pragmatic stuff. Yes. And, and we pride ourselves, I guess, now and our USP as a practice is that we're design-led and commercially savvy. Wow. We don't see there being a conflict between those two things, but yeah. we often recognize that design has to be a bit more sophisticated than just winning awards. Mm. You know, you, in the end, it's got to stack up financially and, and the bottom line does really matter. So we learned some of the nitty gritty of, of, of business right at the beginning yeah. um, alongside developing as an architect and, and working out how to do architecture our own way. Yeah. And because I hadn't spent a lot of time working for other people, I, um, I didn't have preconceptions about how to how you run an architecture practice or how you yeah. do architecture. Yeah. So we've always come at things from first principles and we've built up a team. And I guess about five years in, it starts feeling like a real business. Yeah. It starts feeling like it's yeah. got a bit of a yeah. life of its own. Yeah. And it's starting to sort of generate work without much effort. Mm. Um, and I mean, this is maybe not going to work well with, you know, in terms of your target audience, but I'm, I'm, I don't do things the normal way. So, for example, I've never written a business plan. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason is because I'm someone who I passionately believe that if you operate in accordance with the right principles and you and you have integrity in the way you operate, mm. if those work in the moment, they'll take you somewhere good. And so I don't really give a monkeys about where the future lies. I just know it will be good if we keep doing what we're doing. I love um, that. I love so that, Paul. Like, we need to stop there and explore that. So this idea of being principle-led as opposed to planning-led. Yeah. What you're saying. Yeah, I think it's, um, there's a lot of arrogance in business planning. There's a kind of sense of, right, well, we're going to do this by next year. We're going to employ 25 people. Um, we're going to have a turnover of 1.5 million. Um, all this kind of stuff, which is, don't get me wrong, I think it's good to have desires. It's good to have a sense of where you're heading in a broad sense of, I'm not just sort of randomly sparking off in every direction. Um, and so you have to have a sense of desire about where you're going, I guess mm. a sense of hope and aspiration. 
um, a vision, I guess, of what you yeah. imagine you might become. But I, but I don't have some clear cut lines, which mean I can, in a sense, I don't, I don't have that problem of going, we didn't achieve it. Yeah. I've never had a moment of the deflation that comes from saying we didn't achieve it because mm -hmm. I didn't say what I was going to try and achieve. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> in one yeah. sense, I, I, as long as we are moving forward yeah. and we're enjoying our work today and I'm satisfied with what we're doing and I'm proud of what we've achieved, mm. um, I'm, not, I'm not worrying about tomorrow. And I think a yeah. massive part of business can be worry. You know, how many business people can sleep easy at night? Um, so I think business people put a lot of pressure on themselves unnecessarily. And so from my point of view, I do have moments where I worry about the business, but generally speaking, I don't worry much about the business. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think life's too short to spend too much time worrying about it. Yeah. Um, no. And it, 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 well, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, like how long have your, has your practice been? Around? Uh, we, we started in 2003. So we're 17, 17 years. Wow. There you go. There you go. So, okay. So what would you say is your specialism? You kind of touched on it when you said you're design led and commercially driven, I think you said. Yeah. Um, but what, what would you say, yeah, is, is kind of that, that specialism that you have? Um, I guess our, our core business is in, is in housing design. So medium to large scale housing developments, mm -hmm. generally on, on more difficult sites where a client wants something slightly more bespoke something that requires some design thinking. It's yeah. quite hard for us to add value and to justify our fees if we're not able to design something that's, that's a bit difficult. Yeah. Um, there are others who can do standard things cheaper than us. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to know what your core kind of business model is, I guess. And, that, and, and we, we core business-wise trade off, 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 off medium-sized housing schemes for developers where there's a commercial edge where there's a, perhaps a challenging planning context where a, a good design, contextual design response that's considered, you know, works with the public, con public consultation, something that we do quite a lot of, mm. and, and kind of an engagement-led approach to developing a design proposal, yeah. which is basically stuff that requires a bit more of a battle, really. Yeah. And we enjoy that battle. We enjoy getting, negotiating planning applications through, um, but we also tend to be retained to do work the whole way through to completion. So we are also technically minded as a practice. Yeah. And I think that's partly in our roots. So I, uh, I'm very much the sort of design lead in the practice. My, my natural temperament and, and skill set and giftings tend to be around design and creativity. Mm -hmm. My first director, a guy called Ben, um, he's the exact opposite. Hasn't, he literally hasn't got a creative burn in his body. <laughs> we, um, we did one of these um, sort of uh, profiling uh, questionnaires yeah. and he actually scored zero which we thought was hilarious <laughs> the director of an architect's practice and he scores zero on creativity but what he's brilliant at is is the technical stuff yeah. and so he tends to front the delivery side of the practice and where it requires technical rigor and precision and all the things that I don't do yeah. um, and and, the, and we make a great team and then our third director Mike who came as a student and and grew into the business um, he really is the kind of glue between the two of us he we're almost a complete perfect circle of what you need to, um, to run yeah. a business, I guess. Yeah. And I think therefore getting good people alongside you to allow you to deliver yeah. makes such a difference because you yeah. can basically play to your strengths yeah. and not be trying to sort of operate in a place where you really don't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, which means you can operate at a high energy level yeah. and you can keep your drive going for year after year after year mm -hmm. because you're not bogged down in things you don't enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's such an important point when you're building something 
that is legacy driven. You have to be able to maintain that. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to start strong. You have to be able to maintain yeah. that kind of the stamina. And one of the areas that, you know, you're going to be talking about at legacy, at legacy is how you marry that, the idea of purpose and profit. Like what's fascinating to me and one of the, the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is because you've managed to do that perfect. Well, you know, no one's perfect, but I mean, I love the fact that you've been able to stick to your purpose, have a very clear philosophy and standard and yet still maintain profit i think that's such a difficult balance that yeah. business owners and people try to find uh, you know either you're too on the purpose path and you're not making any money or you're yeah. too on the profit path and you're sacrificing your philosophy and your principles and your values and it's a very fine line to yeah. be able to tread and so having your insights on how you've managed to do that and sustain that over such a long period of time is something that i'm really excited about you sharing and even like i said i've just spoken to another speaker and i am i've deliberately only put myself in maybe one or two slots for the day i will be front and center just receiving from you all because the nuggets of wisdom that you have and the industries that you come from are so disparate but there are such core principles that i think people lose sight of that what it requires to be able to launch and sustain because yes legacy is about the theme is about how to launch a sustainable business but so you're having to deal with the launch and also the legacy and the long-term kind yeah. of kind of view of that but it's just incredible to have to, to see how you've done that really um really really uh inspiring um so I mean, yeah go ahead i was gonna say i think you know because a, a business is like it's like a wonderful adventure yeah and it's like someone sets out to the North Pole. They know they're trying to get to the North Pole and they know where the North Pole is. But actually, the arrival at the North Pole is like a 10 minute moment. Yeah. Um, and then it's so cold, you've got to turn around and come back anyway. Yeah. So the, the reality is the, the adventure of planning that trip, the individual days of challenges and tra you know, working as a team to get around a crevasse, whatever, all the things that come up on that kind of journey, if you don't enjoy that journey, mm the point of getting to the North Pole is kind of lost. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think for me, the, 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 the journey of always operating as you mean to go on. So for me, it's so important the business starts as it needs to go on. Yeah. It's not gonna become easier later to do mm. the right thing. It's not gonna become easier later to uphold your values or to hold a line on how much you're worth, for example. Yeah. Um, and that's a classic reason why people don't make any money. They don't they don't hold their line on how much they're worth and, yeah. and, and get desperate if you like, and then they drop their price and then yeah. they may be busy, but they're not making any money. Yeah. Um, and so it takes a certain confidence and conviction to be able to hold that line. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say it's easy at all. We all have to pay the bills and you do need to have revenue coming in. Um, but I think so many people fall foul in setting up businesses of trying to start too big too soon. Yes. There's a kind of lack of humility. Yes. And, I think, and I think one of the tensions actually is that to start a business, you've got to have a reasonably robust ego. That probably means you've got a pretty big ego, yeah. which then means you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily someone who's associated with humility. Yeah. And there's a real tension, I think. And this is why I think confidence is really important because yeah. confidence is different to arrogance. Mm. A, a, a confident person can set up a business maintaining their ego, but also still being humble. Yeah. And therefore they don't mind doing a, in my case, doing, I left a business where I was working on prestigious public buildings 
and I spent five years doing tiny extensions on people's mm -hmm. houses. Um, bottom line is that's quite humbling. Yeah. But, yeah. It, but it was the steps that it takes to build a business because yeah. after five years, actually we were starting to pick up some one-off houses and a few property developments for local small property developers. Um, and, uh, and then slowly but surely you get noticed by a bigger one and you get noticed by a bigger one and then you're working on national projects for national developers. But that journey just doesn't happen overnight. And the idea that one can borrow 100 grand, launch an amazing website and overnight be working with, with developers, um, even if it could happen, would probably be a disaster for you. Yes. Because all that happens is you're just not ready and yeah. you haven't got the systems in place, you haven't got the people in place, you haven't learned by your own mistakes. So when you do make a mistake, you make it big time mm. and then the whole thing comes falling apart. Um, so I think this sort of start as you mean to go on and faithful in small things. Yeah. I'm always really, really um, dubious about anyone who sets out a business plan to me when I'm mentoring that, that is ambitious, mm -hmm. overly ambitious. Um, I'm a bit like, yeah, but if you haven't managed to demonstrate it works at the small scale, small scale. Yeah. do you actually know it's going to be profitable at this huge scale that, you, that your ego is suggesting you need to go for? Yeah. And I think it's particularly challenging for people who start businesses later in life. So I think, you know, I, I recognize I had the luxury of starting a business in my late 20s. My overheads were low. I'd only just got married. Um, I, I didn't ever have to borrow any money to set up my business because I'm a service sector business. Yeah. So I can pretty much run a business off a laptop and, and a sketchbook, you know. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I recognize someone who's heading into some sort of manufacturing business, they're going to have to borrow reasonable yeah. chunk of money even just to get the flywheel turning mm -hmm. so different businesses have different issues but i i still think anyone who thinks they can launch a multinational business in three years is probably kidding themselves yeah absolutely um, and and i just think why why are they doing that yeah what is the driver and the drivers are probably not overly healthy yeah they're probably ego they're probably a desire for an unreasonable level of wealth mm -hmm. um a sort of unsustainable level of wealth if you like um, none of those are motivations to get into business. Yeah. You know, if you're not passionate about your business itself and about the, the role you're playing in society, then probably you're just going to find yourself wealthy and unsatisfied anyway. Yeah. Very, very true. <laughs> is, but possibly find yourself bankrupt and unsatisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I've taken a very slow and steady approach. So we've only ever, we've, we've added no more than one or two people to the team every year. Yeah. And we're 17 years old and we employ 17 people. Wow. Um, our turnover has pretty much always risen every year yeah. we've had one year or two where, where it's dropped slightly mm -hmm. but our, and our profitability has on a general trend risen every year wow and there's been one or two years where it's flatlined but in fact if you look at our overall graphs you know it, it, it's absolutely consistent growth year yeah. on year on year yeah and and very very importantly no major backward steps mm. so we weren't you know recessions we've been through 2007 we, you know we've been through crises within our industry um, and we sort of managed to hold our path. So I feel a lot of the, the peace, if you like, it comes from not having pushed too hard. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is just kind of music to my ears because this is kind of the rhetoric that I often push in an environment, in an entrepreneurial space where it's like six figures in six months, like yeah. you can do it, go for it and all yeah. of that. And so, you know, when you begin to speak about legacy, the narrative is different. The journey is different. Actually, if you want to build a business that stands the test of time and is around 10, 20, 50 years, you know, from yeah. now, 
Yeah. It's a different, your approach has to be different. We yeah. have to build deep before we build high. Yeah. Um, and and it's you've a also lot... got to build those values into other people. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess the fundamental of legacy, in fact, let me just wind back. A, a self-employed person is fundamentally not in business as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They, are, they, are, they have many of the hallmarks of business. They have to win work. Um, they're delivering a service, et cetera. But it becomes a business the minute you become an employer. Yeah. And the minute you become an employer, your values have to be translated into the hands of others. Mm. So, so the legacy, if you like, begins immediately because now you've got a, a, another person who's become part of the venture who is now upholding your values yeah. or obviously potentially undermining them. So yeah. it takes time to build into other people a mm. shared sense of vision, a shared, a shared sense of principles, um, such that when the years go by, your organisation still upholds what you believe in yeah. and still does business the way you think it should be yeah. done but you can no longer hold the reins too tightly. Yeah. And I think that's, that's another sort of detailed challenge of running a business is how you slowly release the reins, yeah. how you empower other people, which is not always easy. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, legacy is in the hands of others. And so, and that's, and I'll say that again, that's quite profound. I mean, I've never thought that before, but legacy is in the hands of others. It is. I and think it's, that's it's, a pretty challenging area. It's, a, it's very sobering. And it's so funny how whenever I ask a question of, about legacy or speak to people about legacy, all these kind of nuances, different nuances come out that I'd never even thought about before. And the idea of your legacy being in the hands of others is quite sobering because mm. it's that thing that is so important to you to actually, um, yeah. Well, it's very vulnerable. Yeah. It's very vulnerable. In yeah. fact, my favorite, my favorite business axiom, um, is um, there's, a, there's a little bit in the Bible where Jesus says to his disciples, you will do greater things than I have done. Mm. Now, it takes a lot of security as a leader of an organization when you're the founder of that company to say, my staff will do greater things than I have done. Yeah. And the sole purpose of my role here is to enable them to do greater things than I have done. Yeah. And that's a big hit to the ego. It is. Um, and, it is. And, and, and it is tough. It is really hard. It's really hard to hand over your most prestigious client to one of your fellow directors mm. or to hand over the leadership of the kind of in my business, the project architect role on the wall of answer prayer to someone else. You know, these are, these are hard, hard things to do, but yeah. you cannot fundamentally nurture the legacy and run the business and maintain the core. Mm. If you're busy doing all the minutiae and, and, and micromanaging everything. Yeah. Um, and it's, and, it, and I, and I, I probably find that one of the hardest things about growth. Yeah, uh, particularly because in my industry, design the design is very personal, mm -hmm. and so there's a kind of personal element to releasing that. You're kind of releasing the identity of the practice into the hands of others. Yeah, and um, you know that's that's not always easy to do. It isn't. It isn't at all. But honestly, Paul, I feel like we could talk about this all day long. <laughs> um, but I appreciate your time, and I know your time is valuable, and you're probably super busy. And so, yeah. Um, and my final two questions for you, actually. Yeah. So, from your perspective, mm -hmm. why do you think people should attend Legacy, the event? I think it's just good to be inspired by listening to what people have to say. I mean, we, we no matter how far one is down a journey, you, you, you get different perspectives when you hear other people talking about the subject. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think it's just good to be in the mix. Excellent. Iron sharpens iron. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, having launched numerous things over your career, including your business, um, what would be the number one launch tip that you would? 
I think it's something I've already said, actually, start as you mean to go on. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, two things, start, be faithful in the small things, start as you mean to go on. Okay. I, I think the more I'm seeing people mm. launching businesses, mentoring people around that, um, watching what's happening with other companies, some of them being our clients, um, you can really see that those, who, those, who've, those who've done that have over a period of five or six years gone a long way. Yeah. And it's a bit like compound interest. You know, if, if you turn your nose up at 3% and never, ever put any money in the bank, then you, mm. you will end up way behind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're holding out for an interest rate of 6%, so you never put the money in the bank, you've missed out. Yeah. Um, and and I, think, I think business is, is like that. It's, it's sort of it's slow and steady. And then you look back and you think, wow. Yeah. I can't believe how far we've come. Yeah. Um, and we've probably achieved more than we would have imagined if we'd set out some perfect plan. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things that happen that are serendipitous that aren't in accordance with what, how we might see the future and how we might have planned things to be. Yeah. And it turns out they're really good things. Yeah. They're really good opportunities that we never saw coming or they're really good employees we never saw would apply to our company. Um, so I think the, <clears throat> that sort of sense of em embarking into an unknown, the willingness to head out, leave the shore, head out to sea. Yeah. You've got to enjoy being in a boat. You have to. Um, and you're not entirely sure where you're going to end up. Yeah. But, but at least you're on the water. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because I heard a saying recently that said people tend to overestimate where they can be in three years, but totally underestimate where you can be in 10. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah the ability I like that. Yeah. So, um, no, that's good. So, people can definitely connect with you at Legacy. Um, so right. definitely come along and hear Paul speak about the, all this stuff and lots more. Yeah, that sounds um, But where can people connect with you? So if they are considering a project and they like the philosophy that you've spoken about, how can they yeah. connect with you and find out more? Yeah. Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, people can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and obviously my company, Snug, Snug Architects, um, yeah. best thing probably via our website. And um, that gives you a good flavor, actually, of what we're about. I mean, the website's got an our, an our story section, which yeah. just tells the story of the practice. And, um, and, and obviously, our values and things come through that as well. So you can find out Perfect. more there. Thank you so Great. much, Paul. And we'll be speaking again on a more kind of narrow topic on LinkedIn Live soon. Um, so really look forward to touching base with you again. But so appreciate your time. Um, yeah, and thanks for talking. And we'll speak it's a pleasure. Soon. All right, Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.